Hello and welcome. I'm Jill Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. Ian and I are joined by Emily Zoe Baker on today's episode. Emily is an award-winning Australian poet and spoken word performer who's toured the world performing and writing poetry. She's the winner of the 2010 Berlin International Literature Festival's Poetry Slam, Slam Review. She performs regularly at arts and literature festivals and has appeared at the Sydney Opera House and TEDx Melbourne. Emily is also the author of 14 children's books and is published widely in both Australia and overseas. In the media section of today's episode, we talk about Taboo, American Gods, and I take a good 10 minutes to rant about the show Erdgill Resurrection. For the topic, we chat about poetry, where it's heading, and life as a poet without shying away from talking about the troubles that one might face. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in contacting me over my email, mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We are here live at the Brunswick Street Bookstore, and I am joined by my co-host, as usual, uh, one of them, and it's Ian. How are you going, Ian? How have you been? Great, thanks, Joel. Having a good week. Happy to be here. Fantastic. And we're absolutely live. Like, if they press play, we just start talking, right? Yep. This isn't pre-recorded at all. No, not at all. Didn't think so. See, I get confused about that sometimes. No, it's okay. Sometimes Mm. when a listener pauses it for, you know, a couple of weeks and then comes back, it can be a long way. We just, yeah, we just, (laughs) we're a lot worse for wear when they come back, but, you know, we're still here. (laughs) How do you think we find time to write? (laughs) (laughs) So keep pausing. All right, fantastic. So what have you been up to, Ian? Have you been writing, keeping busy? What has been your schedule? Oh, no, I've been doing a bit of, it's the fun part of research and plot work for a a new piece. That's That's been a lot of fun. Um, it's it's an easy stage where it's like anything goes, mm-hmm. you know, which has been nice. And doing some um, some beta reading for some friends of mine as well, which has been really great to to get in and see some of their work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I've been doing some beta reading for a friend as well. And as the first time I've really like done anything that um, it's a big manuscript, so mm. um, you know, like, busy work, and yeah. then you know you forget about it, and then you're like, oh, I need to get this done, yeah. um, and then you. you Check it on your Kindle and try and power through it as much as possible. Yeah. But the thing about beta reading is you need to have a keen eye, right? You need to really pay attention to the story. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's been an interesting experience. Good good framing helps you a lot when you're beta reading. You know, yeah. someone says, look, I just need thoughts on this. You don't have to give me a whole lot of info on typos. Um, you know, so each person that I've read for has done, has had different needs, and it's been really great. Have, so, you, got a, have you got a beta reader yet that's, that's uh, you know, come back with the manuscript and like, you missed a full stop and then end of comments? <laughs> that's it. I did have, I had some um, some young people read uh, my, my novel manuscripts. Um, All right, crack knuckles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. They sent back, I, I enjoyed it actually. It was some of the most encouraging feedback I ever had because, you know, uh, one of them was just like she made notes on where she was really excited and that that was actually very feel-good. Um, didn't necessarily, like, give me a lot of what to do, but I was like, oh, that's nice. So, you know, even though it wasn't really super constructive, you still got some warm fuzzies. So that achieved a lot for me. Well, you see, that that's like a... You just told a story that was meant to have a tragedy, like meant oh. to go in a tragic arc, but then it just went positive, and now was, I've got nothing to say. I was really grateful. Ah. I, there's nothing like your target audience enjoying Gratefulness. The work. Yeah, but the, the other big thing, and it's a big news, which I've already um, mm. sent out to people, so I've got my um, my novel manuscript is with a, an editor now, which mm. is very exciting. So, All right, yeah. fantastic. Um, Emily, 
Welcome Hi. to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So how has your week been? What have you been up to? Um, I've had the joy, the joyous fun time of doing a shit ton of admin this week. Oh. Yay, admin. Ooh. Oh, did I just swear? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not allowed to do that, am I? Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I, admin <laughs> does that. You just fell off your chair a bit. No, look, I, I too have uh, done a ship ton of admin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh-huh. A great big carrier ship. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was, that was fun then? That was fun? Yeah. Admin? Yeah. It's really great. Working from home is, is as you probably all know, mm-hmm. um, such a crazy challenge because you've got to oh, yep. balance your life. You've got to try and be creative. You've got to try and not you know, eat too much chocolate and over-caffeinate mm. as well as look after yourself as well as um, not stuff it up. Mm. Look after yourself? People do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> damn it, I knew I missed something in there. Healthy, healthy uh, diet and exercise, I think it's called, Joel. Right. Something like that. Something yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> I need to look those words up in the dictionary. That's One right. second. Um, no, fantastic. So let's jump straight in, ladies and gentlemen, mm. to the media section. But before I do, with... Um, Ian, you were on the Reddit r slash fantasy oh, yeah. author of the week. Yes. Let's talk about that. Did you get any interesting questions? I, I did get some good questions. People were asking me about, you know, kind of where I looked for inspiration. It was quite fun. I mean, I was up at like 2 a.m. Yeah. Australian time doing the Reddit fantasy uh, forum, which was mm. kind of cool. Yeah, so some good questions about inspiration. Had a chat with someone around steampunk. Um, yeah, a few good questions came through. So it was, uh, it was an interesting experience um, doing that. What did Fan- they ask you about steampunk? Well, they were just wondering about like what kind of thing I enjoyed in the genre and where I kind of saw myself in there. So, you know, answered some questions around that. Uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's an interesting place. And Reddit has been a big part of my writing career from an early point. Um, it was interesting because uh, just talking very quickly about the shop of self-publishing stuff. Mm. Um, you talk about uh, promotional uh, value from something. From that exercise, I got less traffic to my. Um, to my website and Reddit page than I did from um, writing a response to a story prompt the next day. (laughs) So the story prompt got me way more eyes on page than uh, the actual promotional work itself. (laughs) Right. So there's a strange little lesson. But yeah, it was a great time. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, fantastic. All right, media section. Let's get started. Um, So I've got a little bit to talk about for once in my life on this podcast because I actually thought about it this week and I was like, look, I've I've been bad on the podcast. I haven't had a lot of time in the last few weeks, which is why I haven't contributed to the media section very much. But I thought, right, I need to find something to talk about on the podcast. So we'll keep that at the end. But first, we'll go to Ian. Ian. Yeah. No, well, a couple couple of things. I saw one movie, which was Nocturnal Animals, Mm -hmm. uh, directed by Tom Ford, which is, yeah, it was was really good. Based off of a novel, uh, which was written in the US uh, in the 90s, went through the UK in the noughties, mm-hmm. and became a movie uh, around this last year. A great cast, and yeah, really interesting, just kind of, without giving any of the, the plot away particularly, um, it's about a, a lady who comes home and finds a manuscript has been dropped off by her, uh, by her ex-partner, mm-hmm. and it's just about her kind of getting into that manuscript, and it's it's a... It's a fairly obvious... So I think the thing which I found interesting was it was fairly obvious the parallel they were drawing in the the way the story plays out. Um, And it's very unsubtle in the way that it does that. Mm. So still enjoyed it, but um, yeah, it was was interesting. There you go. Anything else? Um, Aside from that, I think uh, The Office, I'm still chunking through the Mm -hmm. American version of The Office, which is a lot of fun. Um, And Better Call Saul 
is of course keeping me on the edge of my seat i haven't watched the most recent episode yet uh but yeah it's it's really well written and continues to draw me along all right do you do you find that like with with better call soul like Mm. that that sort of because it's the breaking bad Mm. beforehand yeah do you feel that kind of like coming together is really (laughs) exciting like it's almost like going back in time yes and i mean they really they play up to that you can you can tell they're like uh here comes a character that you're gonna know you know and um uh, it's it's really well done and i mean the the fascinating thing about better call saul is that it's it's a spin-off story done right yeah because like it's there's not that many examples of really good spin-offs no and i remember when angel Angel? What well, was that? Well, that was I, Buffy, the Buffy. Yeah, I, I, right. I haven't watched it. I'm just saying it because I heard it was all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. <laughs> wow, that <laughs> was good? stunning. So you, <laughs> I, I never did either, really. Have you seen both, Buffy and I, Angel? Uh, yeah, yeah. So do you think that was a well, good Well, did it spell? stand up to the original? Mm. Well, it just, it, just, it just missed Buffy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it just so, felt yeah. poorer for it. Yeah, right. it felt poorer for it. Whereas I don't think Better Call Saul feels, Interesting. feels poor at all. I feel like it's 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 got such it's an entangled thing. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And what it is, I think, is that uh, because like prequels are always a bit fraught because you know where it's gonna end. Mm. But in saying that, with, with Better Call Saul, one thing they did smartly, I think, is that they they got a cast of characters who don't exist. It's the fact they started with characters who don't exist, and you're like, Well, what happens to all these people? Why is it we never see any reference to them at all? In um, uh, in Breaking Bad, so I mean that's that's a really interesting and compelling story, and you know that a character has to go a certain way, and how aspirational they are. It's got a great villain in it. It's got a great, um, very complex characters. Put it that way, mm. uh, and I can't I can't say enough good things about it. And it's beautifully shot and um, well scripted. I mean the the whole thing is a great package. And I wonder if I can't think of any other series. I'll, I'll keep thinking as we go along, but I can't think of any other series which has really spun off so well and could stand on its own. And just be just as good on its own. Yeah. Fantastic. So you mentioned another show that Emily and I have both watched, and that is Taboo. And mm. you've just started and you've got up to episode three? Um, I think I'm about four or five episodes in. Yes. All right. So let's, let's all talk generally about the show for a bit, because I do want to talk about this. Um, <laughs> I like that show. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I love the period. It Mm. I'm a sucker for period dramas and um <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. Um and when I heard that like this show was coming out as an original production and that Tom Hardy and his dad, Chips Hardy, had worked on this as like a passion project, I was even mm. more excited because that meant that they weren't trying to, mm. you know, fulfill a demand in this or that yeah. or anything. They were just writing an original story. And in TV, that's very rare, and that was really cool. Mm. So when it came out, and you know Tom Tom Hardy's grumble grumble voice came out, yeah. um, I just I I was in love, you know, <laughs> straight up. I adored. Them. I mean, the problem is the weird thing about yeah. Tom Hardy is he's a very good actor, mm. and apart from a couple roles like in Inception and such, um, in Bane, I never understood him in Bane. Like I I just didn't understand Bane right. in The Dark Knight Rises. It's just like. It's just an old man in a mask. But in this version of the grumble, grumble voice, I understood him perfectly. I, I don't know why. It just clicked. Yeah. I was just like, I know you, man. Did you, have you watched it with subtitles on? No. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that can be quite... 
quite um, enlightening. <laughs> 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 really? He says a lot. Oh. <laughs> it's a different language. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. I used to watch Deadwood with, um, with all the, oh, yeah, the subtitles that's on true. it. It was a whole different experience. Yeah. Mm. It's like Deadwood's dialogue was like Shakespearean yeah. dialogue. It was, yeah, it was yeah. kind of crazy, amazing. Um, but yeah, what did you think of Taboo? Emily? I loved it. I loved mm. it. I was obsessed with yeah. the main character. He's got mm. this scar that um, goes under his eye and yep. his cheek, and yeah. I, I want to shrink my down, sight myself down to the size of <laughs> like a tiny, tiny pea and slide down that scar. <laughs> I'm so into it. It's unhealthy, and I, I love like I love I, I love that period as well. Like, yes. you know, I love anything setting gas like. Gaslight London, yeah. Like yeah. Penny Dreadful, and things yeah. like that are, are really, really Penny appealing Dreadful. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I loved the main character, the writing, uh, the acting. That uh, the guy who there's a there's a guy who makes the um, gunpowder, which is not mm. a spoiler alert. No, anyway. I'm up to him. Yes, yeah, yeah, That's, yep. um, and he's so beautifully manager. written. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a great character, and mm. and 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 what he has to do to make this gunpowder in such a short amount of time is yes. is thrilling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. loved it. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, true. It's it is well done, and the costumes and setting all quite brilliant. Oh, and his hat, and his hat. That's what I was and his of. coat, the hats and coats, oh, the, the whole coat. deal, the whole thing's just yeah. Happening. He's got the he's got this so super cool mm. kind of you know the the kind of way that they tried to make um, Sherlock cool. Mm. You have do you watch Sherlock? Yes. Yeah. So you know how Sherlock's got this kind of you know faux cool kind of thing going, but this guy's the yeah. real deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's true. I feel like Sherlock's like like a two dollar <laughs> kind of shake. The the, uh, the, pr- the pretend Tom Hardy. Yeah. All the all the Cumberpatch fans will be uh, shaking yeah. with rage. Eggs Benedict Cucumber Patch just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't do it for me. Yeah, mm. that it's it's really interesting that the way that they wrote Taboo is mm. that. Um, both the character and the story mm. exudes this kind of mystery yep. that it's always one step ahead of the audience. Yes, that that's true. the characters know something that the audience doesn't. Mm. Now it's usually reversed. We always know something that the protagonist doesn't know, or we are given some mm. level of information that is this meta narrative that the characters aren't aware of, and we're like, "Oh, wait till you find out." Yep. And it's that different kind of. Um, mm. that Game of Thronesy almost level of feeling where sometimes the audience knows what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes when you don't know, that's when the shock comes from. Yes. Mm, yeah. um, but with Taboo, whether or not the character does know it, he exudes this kind of presence where he's always one step ahead. Yes. Where the threat is not to his life or to the people around him as much as it is, how is he going to figure this one out? And yeah, it's always yeah. that like mm. that step ahead, and I I think that does it in a very different way um, mm. than a lot of other shows. So I love my time with that. And you you trust him too, like you yeah. you, you want him to yeah. succeed so terribly much. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting because he's not. You could almost say he's an antihero, but he's not really. He's yeah, not. He's not. Um, he's not a likable protagonist in the way we consider likable today. Neither would I say he is a dark. No. Um, like. He's, um, not like, he's not an anti-hero. He's not the Punisher, yeah, right? Not Boardwalk Empire, you know. Yeah, that's no, right. No, um, mucky. He's just, he's a mucky kind of a grimy mm. hero, really. Yeah, and, that, and there's this mysticism to it. Yes. You know, yes. there's this, there's yeah. this otherworldly quality which mm. none of us are ever able to possibly understand. Yeah. And we never, ever will, and that, yeah. that's kind of appealing. And you well. wonder to yourself whether he does or not. 
And you wonder if he's just like playing on the boundaries yeah, of yeah. it and whether he really gets it or not or whether he's just putting it on. Mm. So all that's great and I, I really like Taboo. Emily, what have you been watching? Well, I watched the first episode of American Gods. Oh, right. Yes. So did did, you, did yes. you Have you discussed that already on this no, show? No, am, am I late to the game? No, no. And I haven't watched it yet. So t- <laughs> tell me, what do you think? Well, I loved it because Ian McShane... Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and he cannot go Al wrong. Mm-hmm. I love, I love. He does a lot of eye socket acting. Yes. his, his I, eye sockets I, are fantastic. Yes. Like very, you know, it's very much like lots of uh, lots of squinting and then lots of like wide eyed, yeah. mm. and and that's that's his that's his thing. Like yeah. Laura Dern has a lot of mouth acting going yeah. on. He's got a lot of eye socket acting. Okay. That's true. He's superb as Wednesday, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and this is one of those um, made from a book, the Neil mm. Gaiman book. Mm-hmm. Did you read the book? See, I have not read that book and I've been putting it off for ages, knowing yeah. that I would, but... No, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. So it's been kind of on the edges. I haven't read it and then this has come out. Uh, so you, you've read... So you did read it, sorry? No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I did read it and mm-hmm. I loved I loved the book so much. What do you think about the adaptation? Do you think it's, it's, it's faithful well, I, in the it's, spirit of it or... Well, American gods is kind of like about, you know, ancient gods mm-hmm. and the modern gods yeah. and they have this um, war. Yeah. Mm. And that's not a spoiler alert, I don't think, because that's yeah. kind of the, the <laughs> yeah. premise of that's the whole the premise, thing. Yeah. yeah. So the modern gods are like, you know, um, the god of media and mm. the ancient gods are like, you know, Odin yeah. and all yeah. these sort of sex gods and stuff yeah. like that. There is a, an amazing scene in the first yes. episode where uh, the sex god eats someone with her vagina. Yeah. It's right. quite fantastic. Yeah. You yeah. know, even just for that, watch it, I say. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's kind of fantastic. Spoilers. She just Spoilers. munches him up. There you go. <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, that was done in a very interesting way where you only realise it as it's already nearly finished and you're like, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. I had that kind of a reaction to right. it. Yeah. Chomp, chomp. chomp. Yeah. <laughs> vagina munches. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think it's kind of cheesy and kind of fantastic. And I, mm, I kind yeah. of think like because I read this interview with Neil Gaiman about how people were really annoyed that like their god wasn't in it or that mm. God wasn't in it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like the big guy with the beard type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like you know he must have had he, fun deciding. He he yeah. really did pick and choose because I think Neil Gaiman's one of those um, writers that really gets mi- mythic journeys very well. Mm, like he understands yeah. how to use mythic journeys in a way that doesn't seem flippant. Yep. But at this, like, see that that was a thing that I always struggle with. Where I've read a lot of adaptations of um, mythology where they, you know, implant, you know, old, uh, mythology into a modern world, mm. and a lot of it I've always felt has fallen flat. Like it's it comes across as way too camp or or just it doesn't work. Um, I think Neil Gaiman has a kind of skill where he's able to um, take the essence of these beings mm. and the and the the myths that re- re- uh, replay through history and able to translate that really well in his writing. And you can see that in all of his other writings as well. Yeah, do, I mean, maybe it's because he's he's got such a um, close relationship with comic book characters. Yes, and mm. and, and, and it's the, it's the modern similar. myth. It's absolutely yeah. similar. It's yeah. the modern. It's our modern mythology as comic books. Exactly. In fact, I thought it would be really cool to have mm. in the book a Spider Man and a Batman. Yeah, because mm. in a way they're so widely yeah, worshipped yeah, like gods. gods yeah. Yeah, and true. you know, like kids wear pajamas with their symbol yeah. all over them, and I would, you know, hazard to guess that they. Kids would know them. Yeah, the story of Spider Man more than Jesus. Oh, yeah. In two thousand and seventeen, yeah. so yeah. why not make them gods? That would be hilarious. That would be really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and I guess the the one thing that Neil Gaiman probably does really right there is that he's not trying to write a story. He's not trying to write a modern story and throw in the mythology. Exactly. He's got the understanding of the mythology, 
And with that really strong base, it means that when you write, it, it, it comes across in your writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so exciting about it. And uh, with that segue, next week we're going to be talking in depth about mythology and cinema mm. and deconstructing a, uh, the classic myth, myth of King Arthur about oh, the nice. new um, film coming out, which looks fairly bad. But uh, <laughs> what, we will... what, What's the film called? It is uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and it's by, directed by Guy Ritchie, a director that I quite like. Mm. Um, and gritty. Yeah, so gritty. Yeah, that's right. Like <laughs> British yeah. gangster gritty director decides to take on King Arthur. The trailer looks horrendous, and I'm I... not expecting good things. Uh, but yeah. it's King Arthur. Well, we have to talk about I it. I mean, well, hey, if you're a nerd for history exactly. like me, let's, yeah. let's do it. King Arthur's the first I superhero, mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and without getting into King Arthur too much this week then, I did enjoy yes. uh, Sean, the Sean Connery... Uh, you know, first was, Night? Yeah, First Night. That was the, Who doesn't like First Night? I have a soft night? spot for that one. That was Who fantastic. doesn't like Richard Gere's wig in that one? <laughs> yeah, that's Me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a Gear fan. I can't do this podcast anymore. <laughs> Sorry. I'm out. <laughs> the good news is you get to do that next time. Jeff. Yes, so absolutely. Our opinions don't really matter, do that's they? That's exactly no. right. It doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> you can just cut that out, can't you? Uh, yep. I'm just going to yeah. edit this out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk about that next week, so look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I've, got a, I've got a series to talk about. Mm. I have got, um, finally, I get to talk about something very odd. Uh, which I like to do, and that is a Turkish TV show. Now, let me have a big caveat at the start of this conversation, because our audience knows that I like to watch bad movies on purpose, to trash them on the podcast, and have a good <laughs> laugh. However, I always usually end up liking them towards the end, and then I you know, yeah. figure out an excuse to say why I liked it. Mm. Now, this one didn't really have that. Um, <laughs> so... I want to preface this by saying that when you watch something uh, which is released as popular media for another culture, you have zero knowledge of yeah. their conventions, their mm-hmm. what they like to watch, all this sort of stuff. So yeah. with that all out of the way, I'm now going to proceed to trash this show. Um, <laughs> oh, no. The show is called um, Earth Girl Resurrection which mm. is all about the founding father of the Ottoman Empire. Period drama. Obviously, I'm going to watch Yay. it. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things I really like. Uh, and th- this really doesn't have anything to do with the show, but I love the Turkish language. I think it's a wonderfully expressive language, and mm. um, it's just really beautiful to listen to. Mm-hmm. So that is a big positive. Yep. Um, what they say, on the other hand, not so much, because the mm-hmm. dialogue in the show, oh dear. So... First things first, whoever is responsible for doing the subtitles yeah. needs to go and they need to get someone else. <laughs> Along with the fact that there are multiple mm. non sequiturs and just sentences that just have random words in it and just spell check <laughs> errors. You know, th- that, that level of bad. Um, mm. Along with sometimes they say things and I know that's not what they said. Right. You know, you see that you see the subtitle pop up and you're like, he didn't say that. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. No one yep. would say cool mm. or awesome or like in in the in the context that it's used in. Um, very very odd. So that's why I don't really want to go into a discussion of how good the dialogue is because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is because <laughs> yeah. the, guess what? The subtitles are terrible. <laughs> Who knows? Who there knows what they're saying? They could be <laughs> so, doing a so, show about ice cream. And I don't know. How did you judge this? I have to know. Like what? All right. So Tell me more. now, the only way I could judge this was visually. Right. Uh, and by expressive storytelling and, mm. you know, how characters 
interact with each other and stuff. Now, sure. characters, first thing, I've got I've got a big list here. First thing, the pacing is completely off. Right. Um let let me frame this in the idea that I went watching The Last Kingdom, which is a period drama by written by Bernard Connell, one of my favorite actors, uh, mm. writers, and it was a great show. Yep. Now I go and watch Edgar Resurrection, which is a historical drama. Um, so I'm going into this frame of mind of expecting a certain thing, and my expectations are shattered mm-hmm. when I realize their pacing is just woeful. Right. It's about 40-minute episodes, and a lot of it's filler. Like... <laughs> Um, right. You could start the show and the character is going to another location. Now, in most shows, they would show a scene of the character riding or maybe in the middle of a journey, you'd flash to like something. He's crossing a river or something. Mm-hmm. And the final scene is him going and entering whatever place that they're going to. Mm. This show, ha, <laughs> have we got riding scenes for you. <laughs> um, either they've spent a massive amount of money training these uh, actors to ride and they were like, damn it, we're going to show you riding. Right. And that's all they do. For about 10 minutes, and this is not an exaggeration, mm. writing scenes. Just writing Just scenes. Just writing. And, and sometimes in slow-mo. Wow. So if you thought it was slow to begin with, then they slow down the the you know the mm. the trussing and the cantering and the galloping yep. even more. <laughs> Do they have like the slow motion mud like you know coming out of yes. the horses? Yes, yeah, the, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. The iron shod hooves that. clumping into the mud. <laughs> yep. wow. I like it too, but for the twentieth time <laughs> yeah. in a row, not so much. Um, so pacing, my goodness, it's yep. terrible. All right. Very bad. CGI. Now, this these are the things where I usually gloss over on, on yeah. lower-budget productions. Is I don't care if it doesn't maybe look as fancy mm. or the CGI is a bit wonky. I don't care about all that stuff. Mm. Um, so the scene when um, a character is climbing a CGI wall that looks to be drawn in MS Paint, it's fine. <laughs> I can deal with that. Yep. Pacing, I cannot. Right. Um, another thing censorship it's it's a really weird thing and obviously mm. again this is that cultural thing where i yeah. you know I, I don't understand it um so lots of people get stabbed and killed in you know multiple ways um they can show the and <laughs> this is very confusing to mm-hmm. me um lots of blood yep but not 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 blood in very specific places uh, so for instance yep. if a guy gets his gut slashed out the blood spray the arterial blood spray that's not censored they're like, that's fine. Hmm. But then we cut to the shot of the, the body lying on the ground, and there's like a fleck of blood on his face. His fo- face is bled out. Oh, wow. Which is really, like, jarring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you've got these, like, action scenes, which I will come to. Um, and then you just see this character just bled out on the floor, and you're like, okay. is my screen? And I actually yeah, yeah. did that. I went to the screen, and I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realized it was just they were censoring blood on hmm. skin. Ah. So the the blood could be on a sword and they wouldn't censor it, but if right. the blood was on the skin, they would censor it. There we go. So, for instance, wow, in why? one particular scene, that character had a nosebleed and it was a close-up shot. So the brilliant makeup people that put all their effort into yeah. you know getting the nosebleed looks right, he's just got this long censored thing hanging out of his oh. nose, which looks horrendous. Yep. <laughs> so there's that. Oh, so they just blur the bit where it's hanging. Yeah. So Aww. they just they blur the bit where it's hanging, oh, but it's not his nose. They censored his. He's He's nosebleed. There we go. Wow. That's good. Very (laughs) odd. Interesting choices. Um, Yep. Let's continue with this. Yep. Strange conversation flow. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. What else you got? He's just looking like he's battered right now. He's just... That's all right. Yeah, all right. Um, Mm -hmm. Characters do not have conversations with each other. Characters, like, soliloquize each other. Right. They don't have this natural, Mm -hmm. you know... 
co- beating conversation. No, they they just sort of like have a long speech and then have a long speech back and then have yep. a long speech. And a long speech, I mean long, mm. long speech with lots of pauses in the middle and intense eye-to-eye staring competitions, mm-hmm. which happen all the time. Yep. Including the um, romantic interests of the main character. Mm-hmm. 50% of the interaction is just staring at each other. Right. Now, most people would consider that to be quite creepy. Mm-hmm. But this... No, this is meant to be romantic, but it looks terrible. Right. All they do is this. They just like look at each other and they're like, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> I have to ask you, is this a popular series? Like, how did you actually find this? It's very popular in Turkey. The, the, um, must be following the conventions. Yeah, it, it must be. that They must be doing something right. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of bad. Let's get to the good stuff. Yep. It's a historical drama. Mm-hmm. When? Uh, fall of the Seljuk Empire... Um, early Turkmen tribes, Ottoman Empire. Um, 17th century? Probably. I want to say, 18th century? No, 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 no. it would be like, like 16th, 16th. Okay, 17th. Right. Um, sure. So, they, it's it's great. I like it. I don't really get to see a lot of Turkish history shown from a Turkish perspective. Mm. So that's nice. That's good. That's yeah. a bonus. I like it. Um, uh, so now, you know, criticism sandwich. That's a mm-hmm. good thing. Now let's get to another bad thing. And that is the villains are just horrendous. Like, they're yeah. not horrendous in a way like, man, they're so bad. I mean, bad. Right. Just bad, bad, bad. characterization. Like, vir- villains are almost cartoonish in their right. impotent rage. Are they like, long, twirling mustaches? There's a dude who has a long, twirly <laughs> beard oh. and a blind eye. Yep. And when he when he gets angry, he sort of, like, vibrates with rage. Cool. He oh. sounds like David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an insult to David Bowie if I've ever heard one. This, this um... Oh, this guy's hilarious. So, you know, he's the, I yeah. guess, comic relief villain. Yeah. And you'd think, you know, the other villains would be serious. And, but no. no. One villain in particular. Mm. He scales the wall of his own castle and yep. nearly dies in the process yeah. in order to kill one of his own guards who is not paying attention <laughs> and then hangs him off the wall, takes his hood off, and all the guards are like, oh, you're the lord. And then they bow down, and he's like, he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> There That's characterization for you, if I ever heard good. one. Yeah, it's good. So, you know, criticism sandwich. That's yep. the bad thing. Let's get to the good thing. Mm-hmm. I love the main character. He's right. really cool. Mm. As an actor, he's incredibly handsome. I could fall into those eyes all day. Right. But he knows how to deal with bad material. Mm. Um, right. Even though the intense staring is going on, mm. somehow I like him. You know, he's, he's this... Um, noble, affectionate, kind-hearted, you know, tribal warrior that is just really cool and, Hmm. um, yeah, there's just some sort of charisma about the actor that makes this character palatable and makes it kind of worth watching, Mm -hmm. maybe, no? Um, so that's really good. Hmm. Um, so let's finish the criticism sandwich Mm -hmm. by another negative. Right. Um... Oh, with another positive, actually, and that's the choreography. Yeah. The fights are really good. I feel like all the budget got spent on right. good choreography. Mm. And what I mean by good choreography is, like, even, like, Iron Fist had some of the worst fight scenes in all of mm-hmm. fight scene history, which is tragic and horrible. Mm. Um, this show, brilliant. Right. Um, really good fights, apart from the whole censored mm-hmm. weird thing uh, going on. Um, very, it felt very natural. These actors are obviously naturally uh, talented when it comes to 
presenting a good, masterful, like, dancing, sinuous performance in their yeah. action scenes. And it's good. So yeah. there you go. There you go Earth huh? Girl Resurrection. Not great. I kind of want to watch it now. Yes, yeah. you should. <laughs> yes. You should. Uh, we'll, I'll send you a tweet. Just if I, so I can swim in that main character's eyes. Yes. I, and enjoy the hooves. And, and staring. The, and, yeah, staring. And the staring. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. There's another thing in the choreography which really yeah. makes me laugh. And I actually started mm. full on burst out laughing yep. when this happens is they love slow-mo. Mm. Right? I've mentioned they love slow-mo. Mm. But specifically in a fight scene, they only slow-mo when people get kicked in the chest. Right. And so it happens a lot. Every time, pretty much. Every time. There we go. It's just for some reason. I tried this. I, I you know, mm. stopped the show. I went into my room and I was like trying to chest kick to mm. see how high my leg could go. Yeah. Turns out it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. You who gotta you, lift who your leg. Are you chest kicking? The air. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't a I person, didn't just, just to be clear. I didn't just go outside my house and be like, one second. <laughs> if anyone is come here. Yeah, any police officers or authorities, Joel did not chest kick anyone. Yes. He was not. doing it to the air. To yeah. the air. <laughs> to the air. That's good. Yeah. Um, but it's very well, difficult. Because you could probably kick a ch- kid in the chest. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, like, height-wise, it would be okay. Like, I'm not whoa. very athletic. Wow. Me, though. This went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could. But, but you wouldn't. But you wouldn't. There we go. Wow. Wouldn't. I mean, you know, like... So anyone of a reasonable height, it's hard. dad to, in the chest. There we go. Yeah. It's much higher. Yeah. Leg. But these guys are really tall, though. Yeah, it's, right. It's so impressive. chest kicks are hard. Anyway. Slow mo chest kicks. You just watch it, Emily. If you watch this show, just watch out for the chest kicks. I'll count them if you every like. single time. I'll yes. count them. Do do a count. Yep. There you go. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed my rant for about ten minutes well on this done. pretty awful show. But you should watch it because I actually kind of enjoy myself now <laughs> in this weird sort of masochistic tendency that I like watching bad things. It wasn't like a hate watch though, was it? It no. was it, you weren't hate watching it. No. It, you were you were Oh reason, reasonably you were like amused. Fascinatingly It was just this bad. really odd like diving into another like popular media for another culture is like really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And trying to connect with that is 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 curious as well. Um, mm. And th- there's some things like the whole staring thing and all that stuff is weird to us maybe, but um, like you could compare it to say like Bollywood cinema and stuff like that. The way yeah. they deal with romance is very different. If you are the one, exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's <laughs> yep. And when when someone's actually able to cross conventions, like when Bollywood manages to somehow squeeze into yes. Hollywood, that's always a fascinating thing. And I mean, yeah. you know, you think about when. Uh, uh, Some dog millionaire came through. It's really you know, Bollywood, Bollywood ultra light. One could say. Yes, they keep very. the dancing until the very end. Yeah, it's really light, like <laughs> yeah. super light. And I think that's why it transfers, right? It, yeah. these things that are able to transfer, and and I feel like Resurrection has this tendency mm. where. We, we could watch it and enjoy it. And I, I did for some episodes. And the pacing, I will admit, is better in some episodes rather than others. Some episodes do drag on, but others are quite snappy. in the mm. So, you know, um, there's that. Hmm. So there we go. Let's conclude our media section and move on to the topic. Hmm. Um, so we brought Emily on to talk about poetry and mm-hmm. not specifically about the form of poetry, but surviving as a poet in today's <laughs> world. Um, so... It's an interesting thing, and I described a very horrible analogy of how poetry and writing work earlier, which I will not repeat. Um, but being a writer in today's society is very difficult. It's um, yeah. It takes a lot of sacrifice from yourself, um, but also breaking into an industry and being able to sustain yourself off your passion is also quite difficult. Now, poetry seems to be that kind of higher hurdle bar. 
uh, of the writing form. And I'm, and we constantly hear, you know, the, the archetype of the starving poet um, idea. Now, if it was difficult back then, in my estimation, I feel like it's even more difficult today because the medium is not so much talked about as much today um, or venerated, I suppose. Like, you know, we, we talk about the great poets. We talk about Dylan Thomas. We talk about all these people. and um, But we, we don't, um, we hold them in such high regard. And yet poetry as a medium seems to be quite niche still. Um, and if you, and, as a uh, talking to other poets and stuff, I keep hearing issues about trying to get published and like anthologies and all these problems. So I thought, why not? We grab a poet, put her in a chair, talk to her about poetry. So that's what we're doing. Um, so, Emily, how about we just start off the discussion by telling us your personal journey through writing and, and getting into poetry and how that's been for you? Well, <laughs> I, when I was in Germany a few years ago, um, I was there for the Berlin International Writers Festival mm. and um, I, I was meeting people and this guy asked, I met this guy and he asked me what I did and I said, I'm a poet. And he mm. goes, oh, great. Where do you teach? <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, I need wow. call the hospital burns unit. <laughs> yes. I need to go there right now. Ouch. <laughs> Sick. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much the uh, – that's pretty much the – the, the thick of it, really. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there right there. Yeah. Right did you respond like? Did you just say that? Wow, there it is. <laughs> I did. It was like you just slapped a fish on the table. Yeah. Like, boom, boom. <laughs> Have there that. It is. Yeah. yeah. It was very frank and very true. Mm. And I don't think that and there's anybody that um, that I know that works as a poet that mm. doesn't teach. Um, and and I'm, yeah. I'm I'm someone who has kind of like I'm a little bit off the the beaten track in terms of mm. what I do. I, I'm not, I'm not so much of a page poet. Mm-hmm. I'm a slam poet. I do a lot yeah. of live performance and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and, uh, oh, hi. Uh, mm. and I go into schools and universities and I yeah. teach and stuff like that. So mine is very much, mine is accessible for, sure. for young people. Yep. Yeah. And I speak internet as well, which really yeah. helps me to communicate with yep. young people yeah. and I try to do as much as I can with the internet. So bringing the internet into the classroom, mm. bringing poetry on the internet. I, I use a lot of Google poetry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I, uh, what we call, um, um, where you, you know, you type a question in mm. uh, to Google and yep. you get a bunch of different responses. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can screenshot that if you Ask get a really Google, good yeah. one. And yeah. that is a Google poem. Hashtag Google poetry. And oh, the yeah. kids love doing it. It's fantastic. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Hmm. There's also something called flaughing, hmm. which is like a new form of poetry hmm. where you use Google to write poetry. So you type in a weird combination of words, whatever hmm. you like, and whatever search results you get, you have to use only those words right, on that okay. screen to write the poem. And the right. kids love doing that too, and it, it, it makes for some unusual work. So hmm. yeah. those are kind of the accessible things that mm-hmm. I do to try and get the children. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. The youth of today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I have to ask you, though, like, why poetry? Of all of the writing mediums you could have chosen, why poetry? Oh, it's very short. <laughs> oh, well, it, it must be easy. Yeah. It, must, it must be easy. Well, i got to try that I, now. Wow. I wrote a haiku the other week on, oh, on no. Twitter. It took me five... Yeah. Must yeah. Be. Right, so link, brevity was part of it. <laughs> well, I, I got into it through performance. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, like, I, so I started slamming when I was... 
in my very early 20s, like late mm-hmm. teens actually. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to be an actor. Right. But I found that I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I went to a slam when when I was younger and mm. I thought it was the most amazing thing that I have mm. ever seen. It was yes. Electric. Mm. This was back in Sydney um, when they had at the Sandringham before it turned into a pokey parlor. It was um, pokey mm. parlor. Is that a thing? Is it yeah. pokey parlor? Uh, yep. They I know. Had, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got you. <laughs> they had mm. like a live slam every week. And, yeah. And, and, you know, it was packed to the rafters. There were people like standing on the pool tables and yeah. um, it was so exciting. People would really like. Go for gold yeah. up there. Yeah. And yeah. I won my first slam that I entered. And I won $10. Mm. Yep. And I won a uh, a pint of Rush's. Ooh. That's a Sydney beer. Yeah, mm. right. And it felt like a billion dollars. I was so excited. I was so fin- yeah. like, so thrilled by that. So I went on to, um, to, to, to see if I could do more. And I did more and more and more. And I have travelled the world. Through mm. doing poetry, like I yep. haven't been paid an awful amount of money, but mm. I have, mm. like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> been to some pretty cool places. So, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, it's really interesting because I was thinking about slam poetry and and thinking about poetry live. I I went to it was a very unexpected actually. I went to a um, as part of the comedy fest. I went. I uh, got some tickets for the uh, squeaky clean comedy night, which was fine. Uh, but unexpected in the middle of it was a poet who did a couple of. Uh, he did a couple of uh, poems, which were really pretty good, actually. Um, and I was, it got me to thinking the fact that uh, maybe poetry in some ways, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, maybe poetry uh, is one of those things which, much like the bass guitar is in uh, musical instruments, easiest to learn, hardest to master, perhaps? Would that be a good way to describe poetry? Or do you think that um, it's more nuanced than that? Well... As someone who teaches poetry, mm. I would I would say that 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 no anyone can do it and yeah. and because I because I teach children poetry, I try to be as as encouraging mm. like, yeah. as I can, and I do think that anyone can do it. But <laughs> can they do it well? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I I did try to play the bass. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I took yes. lessons and I sucked ass. <laughs> Just didn't didn't happen for you. Uh, no. <laughs> there you go. So maybe that's why I chose poetry. But mm. no, like I, I think I think you know, it's more about the f- sort of the philosophy around it, right? And and the fact that you can have fun with language, and mm. The, mm. and the fact that you can play with it a little bit, and yep. you know, haiku for example is a great thing to do with yep. anyone of any age, like yeah. The, yeah. the littlest. Children, I can make yeah. write haiku, and they come up with these incredible, cute little, beautiful poems, and and it's mm. all it's such a such a pleasure. However, one needs to know how to edit oneself, and yes. and 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 I think also, you know, there's a lot of poets out there, particularly slam poets, that mm. um they that there's a lot of kind of worthy poetry yeah. that's you know yeah. has to be about something political, yep. and yes. I actually prefer stuff that's just a bit more honest yeah right and i feel like well i tell my students anyway that if you're honest Mm. then you know and you're telling something Mm. that's from you from your heart then you know you win yeah um so talking talking to that and about that is that then you put your words out there you know you you either perform or you write um and in that regard um as prose writers, we have a couple options. We have self-publishing and we have mm. traditional publishing and um, all the subcategories of that that you can find. Uh, within poetry, I suppose that they exist as well. 
I'm curious what those forms could be and whether they are um, realistic as a as a so. Um, let's let's come up with a situation here. Hmm. Um, let's say I'm I'm new to poetry. I'm just starting. I'm very earnest, and I've really put a lot of effort into this anthology of poems, hmm. and I want to get it published. Now that's a that's a tough thing for good even, luck. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That's a tough thing even for writers to do, but for poets it seems even smaller because hmm. is it true that just poetry doesn't sell that well? Well, I think. Okay, so you've got your book, you've got your anthology of poems, and you're trying to get it published by a by a reputable mm. publisher. Yes, ma'am. Well, who would you like to get published by? Anyone, ma'am. Anyone, anyone, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anyone, ma'am. <laughs> I imagine this is how the conversation would go. Yeah. Well, I right. think it's kind of like the the world of any kind of writer right now mm. is 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 publishers are looking for people that can sell their book. Going to sell, yep. Right. And they want people that have an already established kind of social media presence yeah. and I mean like take for example Steve Roganbuck. Do you know Steve Roganbuck? No. He no is what he calls himself um, an internet poet. Right. Okay. Um, he's written uh, a few books and they're all fantastic mm, mm. Um, but he may he's most famous for his videos on YouTube right where he basically runs around forests and screams at nature yeah right and it, it's really entertaining <laughs> <laughs> he's very random he has a very huge following of yeah. millennials mainly yep. but he's um very creative he does a lot of live mm. um, Instagram as well right yeah. Um, and yeah massive okay. following and I think he, I mean, he he does he publishes himself. He's a self publisher. Yep. Sells through his website, Louis C.K. style. Mm, right. Um, and so he's kind of created his own brand in his own world. Yeah. Um, and in that kind of way, I think that's what everyone's expected to do now. Mm, right. Like you, the quiet writer in their room, you know, mm. stroking their beard and yeah. and and hoping to be discovered. Yeah. Uh, is 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 almost a dream. Yeah. Now. I think. Yep, and I think that that's that's as true for, for yeah for fiction writing and, and novels and such as well. Like when when I talk to people, um, I, I think some of the most difficult conversations to have are when you're talking with someone who doesn't uh, comprehend the need for that kind of presence, um, and that can be that can be really tough because uh, someone's actually missing out on the thing that's going to make a massive difference, or at least it's not that you you can't get published without that, but you want to increase the odds of getting published. You want to make sure that there's an audience out there who knows who knows you, who's keen, and that makes such a big difference. And I can see that with um, with poetry. I think about some of the people that I um, I admire as well. Like um, in New Zealand, uh, Hera Lindsay Bird. <gasps> Hera Lindsay Bird is so, good. so she like she. Oh my god, get stuffed. <laughs> She's so good. Her her poem about friends. I magic, know. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Um, if you like the sea bomb dropped in the middle of your poetry, get on it. Um, I, I know. I wish she uh, like because I wanted to. I always want to like mm. show her to my students, and I yeah. can't because I know. Yeah, you you probably couldn't get away with that. There's just no you, way. you wouldn't get invited back. <laughs> but you know, you might just spark someone's interest. In, and yeah, you know, I, I absolutely love her. She she had a couple of of great um, poems published in, in one of the New Zealand. Um, 
pieces, and she's got she's got an anthology uh, coming out soon as well. So she's she's fantastic. Um, I also think about on a really massive scale, um, Kate Tempest. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the other day when uh, Europe is Lost was actually mm. on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I was like, that is the yeah, most yeah. mainstream of mainstream, yeah. and that's fantastic, and that's to the good of of everyone. I think when we see that kind of level now, that's a very unique style. She's got the music pumping. I mean, the whole thing, and it was brilliant. And I think that coming back to your point earlier about um, having something to say with Kate she's saying something that you can tell she genuinely believes and means it's not forced I think that's really important if you feel like you have to have an angle you're going to force it it's that human truth that we connect to in poetry whether it's yeah, Siegfried Sassoon and, and the yeah. war and the suffering and the, the anger that he feels and the transition of his writing or someone and I'm talking about the, the major kind of uh, some really well known names here but you know mm. for any poet I think it's true that there's that truth which we can connect to, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there I can't remember her name, but there's an amazing poem that was going around on Facebook for a while there, a video poem about um, breastfeeding in public. Mm. Oh, I, I saw that come across that my newsfeed, but I can't. Yeah, remember I know, I know. Yeah. It's the names just slipped out of my head, but mm. um, you know, if you Google that combination of words, I'm sure you can find it. Breastfeeding in public. It's she's an English woman mm. as well. Um, mm. Around that Kate Tempest age, yeah. yeah, and it's such a good piece of poetry. It's so beautiful and so political and so on point, mm. and she nails it. Um, can I ask? Then, so, coming from the perspective of you know you want uh, making a living with uh, with poetry, and in terms of the market, do you do you feel that this? Uh, this might sound like a dumb question, so mm. just trying to phrase it in a way that feels a little less silly. Um, what what is the market like for poetry now? Do you think is there a particular kind of poetry that's picked up? Is there a way you see poetry as a move as a art form heading? Would you say? Well, I think actually, you know, with Hera Lindsay Bird, for example, yeah. like who has been all over the news in mm. in New Zealand yeah. as, as like the hottest new yep. thing that ever did happen, and she is. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but but I think I think people like her are helping shift it a little bit and mm. make it much cooler. But mm. you know, she exists a lot um, on the internet as well, and I think that's where yeah where the future really is. I mean, like, mm. it, 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 at school, everybody complains to me that at school they were tortured by poetry. Right. Like, there's there's few people that enjoyed it that I mm. have come across. Probably you guys did. Sorry. Like, yeah, I'm, like, but, but I'm, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I know, but, like, you know, just your average person yeah. Was, yeah. was tortured by poetry at school. Yeah. And, um, and I think that, that that has a lot to... to to do with the fact that, that it's very unpopular and it's very hard to get published and it's not, right. you know, it's not important. Like, we don't even have in Australia a poet laureate. Yeah. Like, that's just embarrassing. Yep, yep, that's true. Um, I think actually as well, I never realised, for example, uh, just coming back to, I, I suppose for me, I had a really super passionate uh, English teacher. Right. Where, and I, that's why Siegfried Sassoon stuck with me so much because the way that this was presented to me, just I engaged with it so much, you know, I'd love... You know, you, you think uh, the the context everything was put into was really uh, striking, and I was still fairly. I would call myself a very immature English student at the time, you know. So that it was presented well to me, and I think that's part of why I, I respect I respected mm. it um, from that age. And so I think about things like uh, Pave Paradise, put up a parking lot. You don't realize necessarily that some of the stuff started as a po- at, like when it's written. When you read it, it's just amazing. Yeah, I um, personally, I had I had a friend that was very into poetry and so you know i was very influenced by um a lot of great poets like um uh, yates and dylan thomas and and those particular names 
really, you know, Yates in, for, in particular, I think, his work, and, and this is coming from a person that has uh, an incredibly tone-deaf appreciation to poetry, found a poet that I loved and then just read everything that he did. Um, and that way, that burgeoning, you know, appreciation for poetry started to grow, even though the tone deaf sort of remained. Um, and so in, in that way, I, I have less appreciation for the evolution of the form because I haven't really, you know, I'm not fully into the form to begin with. Um, but I think in both of our examples, Ian, uh, mm. we, we had some sort of person or um, influence where we grew to love poetry. But yeah, I, th I think you're right, Emily. I think a lot of people have been burnt early and then stay burnt for the rest of their lives. Um, and I think it's that kind of medium that is a lot more difficult um, to get into simply because of the nature of its form. I think you talk about the evolution of poetry, and, and I'm interested in hearing this because my next question was going to be, you know, self-publishing. Um, in, in that way, self-publishing is the internet uh, in, in its greatest form, I suppose, and its most accessible form. Uh, and now this... Um, the power of the voice is becoming almost more important than the power of the page in some instances. We hear about a good poet on YouTube or something like that, and then we see if they wrote anything. Mm. You know, it seems to be the other way around now. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I get. I, I know that I get a lot of my poetry uh, in my newsfeed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah. I don't have to go looking for it. It comes to me mm. um, mainly because I've you know follow a lot a lot of that stuff. But so it's sort of coming to me. But mm. um, in, in, I think like I have a video on YouTube mm -hmm. that has I don't know how many hits but it, whatever it is it is way more than anybody has ever bought my book right <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> and it's reached people all around the world and that is certainly not um the same with my chat book yeah um so yeah mm -hmm. i feel like that that's definitely definitely the future right yeah there. um but also, like, what, what was the question was more about, like, can you rephrase it for me? Well, more of the evolution of where do you think poetry is going? Like, do you think that the mm. self-publishing route will be the future? Or do you think there might be a resurgence in, in this traditional form of poetry that I personally am very connected with? I don't know. With? It's kind of like journalism, you know? Like, I just yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Hard, it's hard, isn't really it? It's really hard. Yeah. It, the, whole, the whole world is splattering around at the moment, like, yeah. like yeah. a paintball in a squash yeah. court. And I'm... I don't even that's know what's good. happening. <laughs> it's it's like taken in your own hands if that's what you want to do, and and mm. we're we're lucky enough to be able to choose to to be writers in our mm -hmm. in our you know cushy yeah. lives. So we can we can choose to do that. But I mm. think I think yeah, if you want to get noticed, if you want to do something, then just go go bloody do it before yeah. that yeah squash court gets covered <laughs> in paint and we all down. <laughs> <laughs> and then true. you've got no space. Um, so let's let's dig in a little bit to that question. Um, we always say we like to get real on the podcast and mm. and try and nail down um, truths in the writing industry. We talk a lot about um, mm. working and demystifying the art of fiction and, and stuff like that. And so I, I want to get into this a little bit more. Um, as publishing as an industry, as a poet right now, if I, like I said, if I was to just put that anthology out, what do you think my chances are? If it's really good. As, <clears throat> I think that it would be read and considered. Hmm. But 
depend. I mean, and it could be the most brilliant thing ever. Yeah. But also, you know, it's subjective as well. Mm. But then they would look at who you are. Right. Okay, so that's quite like, important. Then. I, th- I, 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 I mm. think so. But yep. I think that's true of like prose and yeah. um, any kind of writer yeah. at the moment. That's just the reality of yeah. it. But, but, but it's going to be like, you know, how, how many Twitter followers do you have? Right, it's okay. kind of... Yeah. It's, it's an actual question that exists, I mm. think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like what, what kind of audience do you have already? Mm. You know, it's like if you pitch a show to you know the abc or whatever they don't yep. they don't want to know about the pitch they want to know if they want you the to just do it yeah. and already have an audience and bring yeah. it to them and that's i think mm. sort of a similar thing yeah interesting yeah um and it's curious you mentioned that because i've always looked at it and the idea that um to a certain extent fiction yeah you're right it really it is quite similar um but but there are certain demographics that's like you know romance writing is possibly the most popular genre in the world right now in terms of fiction. Um, so publishers are actively looking for things that they can fill the gap in that market. And mm. I feel um, that poetry, that, that gap in the market is really narrow. Mm. And that like trying to to create the, the audience for yourself is always m- almost more of an option to self-publish in today's world than it is to, to go through traditional forms. Because traditional forms are looking for an audience that exists. Hmm. It, do you think that audience does exist? Do you think there is a large audience that tomorrow you could make your living off poetry? Ooh, living. Mm. Living. Yeah. Not just part <laughs> time. Living. Not, not just passion. Are we talking well, about living like canned cans? <laughs> yeah, are we, are we talking living? about $2, $2 noodles? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Salmon? Where do we fall here? Yeah. <laughs> or is it tuna from a can? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what kind of tuna? But I mean, even like, even well selling authors yeah. don't make yeah. a living. Yep. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I do make a living off poetry because I teach. Yep. But it's certainly not from. Um, the direct um, yeah, product of poetry. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I, I mean, I, I self-published my last two books mm. and I made more money that way. Mm. Yeah. That's why yep. I, I, like I thought, oh, I'm going to make, like, begging around for publishers and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, screw that. I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. Mm. And I did and it cost me nothing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I sold them all and I made money. Yep. And yep. I thought, this is the way to go. Louis C.K. Styley. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 you know, take it into your own hands because you can, mm, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you do, like, you know, if you, mm. it's really easy to reach an audience now because mm. mm. you have so many tools to do it. Yeah. You know? Well, um, what would you say to someone who's listening at the moment and um, let's just say there's someone who's interested in getting into some some poetry out there as well. Uh, is there anything you'd recommend for them to, to check out, any particular channels or sites or anything like that where you think... I would say yes mm-hmm. to that question. Yeah. <laughs> Button poetry on YouTube is fantastic. It's it's um they they do live um, videos mm. around America. Yeah. Um, go to steverogenbuck.com. Mm. Uh, yep. Go to harrylindsaybird.com. Oh yeah. Um, and and start there. Mm. Uh, write 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 a haiku a day as well. Mm. When you're doing this, just for fun. Yep. Uh, five seven five. Do you know about the five seven five? Do you when you write haiku? Do you do that? 
Uh, five, seven, five. Five syllables five, seven, on the first yes. line, seven, seven on the second, and then five, five on the again. third. Yep. Haiku is the only form of poetry that I regularly and uh, thoroughly enjoy part- uh, partaking in <laughs> on Twitter as well because it's the perfect length for Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm 40 characters, baby. If I'm going to do it, many, many has been the hashtag where I've put out a haiku on it. So, yeah. uh yeah, quite enjoyable. And I find actually for me, uh, anything beyond that, I'm, I'm, I feel like the, eff- the effort required to actually get in, it's a great entry point. So, Okay, so you recommend haikus? Yeah. Get into it? Haiku a day. Oof, Keeps the man. something or other away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm trying, but no. I, I would I'm say, clutching. I'm, I, I don't. I would say as well, though. I think I think poetry is a fantastic thing for Gen yeah. Y, for millennials, for um, for anyone coming up. You may not even recognise that you're. I wonder how many people listening to Kate Tempest necessarily understand what they're engaged. What with. it is. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. But it gives them feel. It yeah. does. Yes. It really gives them feel, and they and they get they get excited by it. And then you know, like a lot of poets that enter slams and things like that are sort of bordering on hip hop artists. Yeah. Yes. And their lyrics are, mm. you know, really appreciated by by the poetry scene because they're yep. like boom, they dig it and they click along like when they yeah. like things. It's yep. kind of cool. Um, but but it's. Sometimes it's a feeling like you get from a song. Yep. You don't quite hear what's going on in the words, say Kate's Tempest style, but you yeah. get you get something from it. And kids do. They really they beam when they see mm. a, particularly a Kate yeah. Tempest video. Yeah. And I think I think even for people who are like tone deaf to poetry like I am, still appreciate the idea of the form because of its um, its engagement with language and how beautiful that language can be mm. when it's when it's presented within that form, and um, in the various forms of poetry themselves, slam poetry being yeah. one of them, and yeah. it's so different to some of the other forms, and yeah. um, it's it's really interesting to see. Well, also, I think there is there is a, 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 could I say market mm. for it yep. in in the mindfulness. Yeah. Um, circuit. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that a thing? A mindfulness? Yeah. <laughs> mindfulness. <laughs> Mindfulness thing. sphere, yeah, sphere? yeah, yeah. Oh, I do actually nice. teach teach it to adults mm-hmm. sometimes, particularly haiku, because haikus are very much a slowing down yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. Of, of of everything and putting it into this uh, into this format. Mm-hmm. But it is um, teaching that uh, in this world where everything's just easy grab have. Yeah, yeah. It, it does slow you down. It is kind of like a meditation, and um, mm. and so there is, I guess, you know, room for that. More than there was. Yeah. Mm. So there's, there's there's a thing. There you yep. go. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're wrapping up, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. So we've had a great discussion, I believe. Uh, Emily, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Mm. It's been a pleasure having you. Ian, you kind of have to be here, so you know, I guess hey. thanks. I'm happy. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, let's wrap up. Let's tell people where they can find our stuff, where people can buy our stuff. Emily, why don't you start that off and tell us your social media links? Uh, where can people find your work? Well, I'm at emilyzoebaker.com and um, my name is spelt really, really horribly. Mm. My mother was a hippie, so I had to. Uh, I wasn't allowed to put a Y in the first part, so I generally go by Easy B. Okay, <laughs> as my initials. There we go. Fantastic. <laughs> Easier to find on the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my. I'm um, Easy B, like as in easy, as in street easy, and then like Bumblebee on Twitter. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Fantastic. Um, and there's also some wonderful videos uh, about you on YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. Some of your poetry. Right. I have a video up that. 
uh, is called Dear All the Women Who Ever Existed Over the Entire Span of Human History, mm. mm-hmm. which is quite, you know, a large demographic. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a big audience there. It's weird that. Um, was that like a Jeopardy thing? What is your target audience? <laughs> Dear? <laughs> And it's been up for a while and I was really expecting to get like, because I'm really scared of YouTube. Yeah. And like a, a lot of my fellow poets who, who do a lot of mm. YouTube, they're, they're like immune to the comments yeah, that, right. that you get. Like it's, it's like, you know, yeah. water Shrug. off a duck's back, yeah. whatever, I don't care, like whatever, thick skin. But yeah. I'm, I take everything really like, oh my God, really? <laughs> oh, oh no, but, but this particular video doesn't have any negative comments and it, I almost fell off my chair. That's good. They're all there really positive, and some of them are really like maybe too positive. Like so all right. crazy. Well, positive. I'll create an alt account and then yeah. I'll uh, balance the scales a little bit there for you. Go. If you want. Yeah, I'm just invited. One hate. thumbs down. Are you yeah. kidding me? Come, bring me some hate. Yeah. No, your poetry is fantastic, and I've enjoyed listening Thanks. to those videos. So you guys should check it out too. Mm-hmm. Ian, where can people find you? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at ihlaking. Uh, you can find me at ihlaking.com. Um, and I'll be yeah continuing to put out some updates as my publishing journey goes on. Fantastic. All right. Well, you can find The Morning Bell at the underscore morning bell on Twitter. It is now active and running and we'll tweet things and gifts and retweets. So yeah. talk to us and we'll talk to you back mostly. Um, you can find The Morning Bell on our website, which is themorningbell.com.au. Um, where we post up the archives and on iTunes, of course, which is probably where you're listening to this. Um, you can find me at the pen of Joel on Twitter or thepenofjoel.com um, online, where I don't really talk about much apart from the podcast occasionally and do a <laughs> podcast breakdown like once every year. However, we're really happy that you could join us for this episode. Um, I'm sorry for the whole sniffling and such, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but I've been suffering with a bit of uh, <laughs> flu, so I've been a bit snuffly, but uh, hopefully our wonderful guest and my co-host has made up for that. Uh, next week, as I mentioned, we will be doing an in-depth breakdown of mythic journeys within film, uh, which should be quite the discussion. So we're going to go watch the movie and come back and do this breakdown. And we like to do these in-depth um, talks and, I guess, diagnostic tools Um, every once in a while so we hope you enjoy that too thank you for listening and we will see you on the next episode